Blog Talk Hello. Hello. Hi. Thank you for joining us. Had a little technical difficulty there getting into the show, so we're starting late. But uh, hopefully the, you're still with us and uh, we'll be able to do a, a terrific show. Um, I'm Heather Stark. I'm your host, and I am here today with Three Women, Three Ways. We're the show that talks about women's issues primarily, although I guess my daughter tells me there are no such things as women's issues anymore. They're just people issues. And uh, I have a wonderful guest with me this morning. I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Uh, Welcome to our show, and, and could you please tell the audience who you are? Hi, my name is Deborah Lessie. I'm the founder of a nonprofit in Los Angeles called Face Forward. Okay, and what is Face Forward? Face Forward is a nonprofit that helps uh, women and children who have been disfigured from domestic violence or any type of violence, uh, women who have been involved in the the. Uh, sex industry or someone who has been kidnapped or someone who uh, sex trafficking or uh, women who have been married to an abuser and they're trying to move forward and we rebuild their face mm-hmm. uh, and to help them be able to look in the mirror again and we also provide therapy. Oh, wonderful. I wasn't aware of the therapy component. Um, why is this necessary? I mean, why uh, are there terrific stories out there about women who are, are disfigured um, by some abuse or other? I mean, usually Absolutely. when we I mean, most hear... Of our cases, we, uh, last year we did over $300,000 in pro bono surgery. And the surgery we do is not to make someone feel pretty again that's aging. It's to do with, it's a positive side of uh, plastic surgery. Uh, what we do is we help women who can no longer look in the mirror who maybe have been one of our patients was set on fire by her husband, a uh, premeditated crime. Who, When she left him, she went to pick up her children, and when she turned her back, he had uh, hit her over the head with a hammer, raped her, and then dragged her into the garage and set uh, gasoline on, over her and threw a candle on her that was one of their candles that they used to burn together. And she was completely and utterly disfigured. She had no face or neck. So we have done, uh, I think, four surgeries on our patient, and she's got another few to go, and she looks amazing. And every time she walked in a room, oh, people were there because she was a severe burn victim who was, sure. they didn't know if she was going to make it. She was unrecognizable. Oh, so I think boy. it's hard for any and, person you know, to move forward who have that, that yeah. reminder. Uh, not only is it hard emotionally, but... You know, imagine trying to restart your life. Imagine trying to get a job exactly. when you've been disfigured like that. It, it's, it, it must just be horrible. And, um, this was a, and this we was a do very know. pretty lady who, who was really uh, full of life and full of beans, and she still is. It never, it never stopped her. It didn't for a while. She was a mom, and she realized she has to do what she has to do for her kids. But she she's, mm-hmm. was all around the country talking about domestic violence and lectures and helping kids at schools, and it never stopped her. But she just, now she's she's really, she's so happy. She can't stop posting pictures on Facebook of herself. She loves who she's become. She feels <laughs> more confident, and it's amazing. It's amazing that, to see the change. So I think when people hear what we do, they get a little confused because it's not to do... To, you know, to make someone feel uh, pretty who's aging. It's to do with severe disfigurement. Yeah, well, and when we think of plastic surgery, I mean, we usually think of things like facelifts and breast enhancement, and, you know, we tend to think of it as, as something, um, a vanity type of thing. Exactly. But what I'm hearing from you is that this doesn't have anything to do with vanity. This has something to do with uh, re-entering society. Uh, it has something to do with re-establishing your life and, and uh, being able to raise your kids, being able to get a job. Am I right there? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I, mean, I, don't, I, I mean, it's like as women, if we have a bad day and we, we feel like our hair is not nice or or which is we have a breakout, we, we, we find that it kind of bothers us all day. So you can imagine looking in the mirror and having a woman, a woman having to look at herself 
and not recognizing who she is because of someone that she loved at one time yeah. and told her he loved her and she trusted this person and maybe she has children with this monster and then she, for the rest of her life, she's, she's walking around with his shadow on her because every time she looks in the mirror, she's reminded of what she went through. Mm-hmm. And even when we yeah. put yeah. the through the surgery, we had to... Uh, she had been in therapy for years and she was like, I don't need it, I'm fine. And I said, no, I really insist that you do the surgery. Uh, do the therapy because uh, if you don't, it's going to trigger the memories of what you had before. Because mm. all the bruising and the swelling yes. is going to end. She said, Oh my God, I did, did not realize how much I needed that because it did trigger what I went through the months and months in hospital and then, and then realizing, Wow, am I, it just somehow unconsciously it triggered. So it, that's why we insist on the, on the therapy also because we have to make sure that they're ready for the surgery and also they're not going to go back to another abuser. Mm. Well, these situations are kind of, wow, dramatic. Is that what you do, is the dramatic ones? I mean, what if a woman has been beaten and her face is uh, slightly disfigured? Would that qualify? I mean, we we never, you know, it's it's, to help all types of patients who come out our door. Most of our patients have been dramatic. Um, And there are several you know, maybe they need six or seven surgeries. But uh, a lot. Mm. I mean, we had a girl from Florida last year who, for her, it was very dramatic because he had beaten her so badly he constantly left her with eyes that were swollen and and black. Mm. And she was a very young, pretty girl, and she was a mom, and she was trying to move forward with her life, and she never, she didn't want to leave the house. And we helped her, and now she's a real estate broker in Florida. Because that one surgery, and that's, I think that's the only case where we had one surgery, actually changed her life. So, as yeah. I say, we give a hand up. We don't give a hand out. Yeah. So, you know, we, we're not doing this. Well, and tell me more about the psych- yeah. Tell me more about the psychological component. Um, I know that the surgery is performed pro bono, or the surgeries are performed pro bono, which is a marvelous thing because most domestic violence and uh, victims of this type do not have a huge budget. Um, most of them are, are pretty um, uh, bad off financially. Um, but what about the psychology component? What What is that about? You work and, with, and with who the performs? Who, we we have a partner in Los Angeles called uh, Maple Counseling, and uh, they uh-huh. charge us a very small fee to help the patients. So when the patients fly into mm-hmm. town, then we have them intense therapy for that week. Um, and then we're also trying to do an outreach for therapists in other locations, so because they can't do phone oh, therapy, yeah. it's against the law. So they have to. Uh, we have to find someone in that state. If someone needs therapy and they're six months out from surgery because they're really not ready, then we need to find a therapist in, in mm-hmm. that state that will work with us. And if we have to pay, we pay, mm-hmm. but uh, most of the time we try and find everything pro bono. Yes, yes. But what we do, do um, we do raise money for the aftercare uh, and the flight. So, like, if one patient comes out and they need six flights to Los Angeles, we have to pay for six flights, we have to pay for a hotel for at least 10 days, we have to pay for food, we have to pay for a nurse, a nurse to take care of them because usually they're here on their own with no family. So that you know, maybe three, four days until they're out of uh, the red zone. And then uh, and, and everything that while they're here, we take care of. So that's what we raise money for. That's why we have that gala once a year. So as you can imagine, it's like between five to $6,000 per trip. Oh wow, wow! And the is there just one surgeon who's doing this in your group? So far, or are yes. there several? Yeah, Doctor Lessie in, in Beverly Hills, yeah. who's actually my yeah. husband. Um, a team together. <laughs> um, yeah, that uh, is interesting. And if do you mind talking a little bit about your personal situation? No, not at all. Um, I, I, it's it just we we just. We were talking one night, and he was telling me how many uh, patients that come in who were uh, victims of domestic violence, and and how the uh, nobody, no other doctor wanted to touch them because they knew that the case that they would do, they would go straight back to the abuser, and that is normally the statistics. Uh-huh. So, 
I, when I was young, I think my first boyfriend uh, was abusive, and, and uh, I was very lucky I got, uh, at a very young age. But I think I, I went to the other side of the world to basically get away from him. And that's exactly what mm-hmm. I did. And I was, I was very, very lucky because I, I heard after he did it to many women. Uh, it was just a pattern in his life. And uh, I remember that feeling and the isolation. And I didn't want to tell anyone because there was a lot of shame that goes with that. So I didn't have any scars, but I had bruises, and I remember how that made me feel. So yeah. my husband and I chatted one day, and we thought it would be a, a great idea to start something very small and 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 help maybe one or two patients a year, but we had no idea of the need and how many patients and how many calls we get. And every time we do something like this, we always have a patient call in or someone looking for our help. So... That's why it's important to get the word out there and, and let people know what we do. And uh, I, I really, we started five years ago, and I think I did my first small fundraiser, and I had no clue what I was doing. And we raised a little bit of money, <laughs> and that little bit of money went very quickly because I had so many calls and so many women needing our help. Yeah. And then our next patient... How many calls do you get? Uh, it's, it's How many email. calls do you get? Um, it varies from week uh-huh. to week when we do anything related to PR. We can have anything from 10 emails to uh, 500. Um, it really mm. it really depends. And, again, it's, 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 we don't take everyone that calls us or contact us. It has to be the right fit. And, the, and if we can help them in other ways, if they need if they need therapy, we will definitely help them with that. Um, but it, it also has to be away from the abuser because we don't want to, do all the surgery, and then someone sends someone back into the, that environment. But if they are with an abuser, we'll try and help them uh, with an, another partner that we have to see if we can uh, help them get out of the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, that is tough, but as you mentioned. Um, a lot of people who don't understand uh, the whole domestic violence issue don't understand why you don't just pick up and leave, and there are a number of reasons and uh, I always use the analogy of smoking. Uh, statistics show that if you're a smoker and you're trying to quit, it takes mm-hmm. seven attempts. Exactly. And if it takes seven attempts to le- to quit smoking, how much does it take? How many attempts does it take to leave your entire life, hopes, dreams, history? How, how many attempts would it take to give that up and change that? So um, I understand and appreciate what you're saying, uh, but and once I think a, a woman, lot of women is free of that. Of- of leaving leaving the abuser because they're scared what he's going to do after. And, uh, yes, and, and just, they should be. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, leaving is the riskiest time for a woman. Um, and a lot of times when you read in the newspaper about, um, you know, a man killing a woman or killing the family and then himself, uh, that's when the woman has made an attempt to leave. Either she's filed for a protection order or she's told him she's going to leave him. Uh, it's a really risky time for a woman who's who's in an abusive situation. So there are lots of reasons uh, why they don't leave when people think they should leave. Um, and um, you know, as you as you mention and as you in- illustrate, many of the most of those women do leave eventually. It's just that they don't leave on the same schedule that sometimes their families or or neighbors think they should. Yeah, and I think the, the, the well, how would a woman get a hold of you? How they get a hold of me? They can contact yep. me through our website. There's a contact page there, and that's uh, www.faceforwardla.org. And faceforwardla.org. Okay. If you would like to. Contact yeah. us or anyone and, who uh, If you cannot help them, you will refer them to somebody who can? Yes. Okay. Do you have connections? I know there are, are several um, surgeons in this country who, who do something similar. I'm not sure it's so well organized, um, but do you have connections for some of those other sur- plastic surgeons? I do, but I actually fly the patients out to us. So for us, it really doesn't really. We don't. If right now, I like to know who I'm sending my patients to. So I'm quite protective with them, and I, lo- I want to make sure that, that there's a couple of doctors locally that are interested in helping. 
Um, but we do want to branch that out and, and have other doctors in other states. But we're not at that place right now. I think in a year or two we'll be able to do that sure. because, as I say, all the patients we find... Now, do you do this all on your own, or, or do you have I have staff? a wonderful assistant called Victoria, so it's basically her and I running the whole show. And then usually before gala time, which is when we make our money, last year we raised over uh, 300000 that's when we, at this point, also we're looking for sponsors, people who want to get involved. Like Turkish Airlines has, has been a big sponsor for us every year. Uh, we sell their tickets uh, in the live auction for 25000 so it's a really nice, beautiful uh, supporters for us from the beginning. Um, and we, yeah. have, uh, we have many, you know, big sponsors who get involved, people who, who also, when you're doing a red carpet event and you have celebrities involved, um, companies want to get their names out there so that supports us and it's important to have a celebrity involved because I can see it a million times a day but if a celebrity tweets about it or talks about it people listen and it causes it makes one do you have any celebrities that you yeah that you can yeah we have yeah we have a few that that, uh, constantly we have Bonnie Somerville um, who's an actress who constantly supports us she's an amazing board member and she's uh, very passionate about this cause uh, we also have Jennifer Coolidge. Uh, we have Sean Tope from Homeland, who has been a big supporter for Face Forward. He was actually shooting the show in Morocco, and I think he had two days here, and he came to the gala last year, him and his wife, and flew back the next day. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, really, because they, they really, under the CR patients, they see our cause, and maybe they come one year, and they were like, wow, I didn't realize that this was happening in this country. So then they... Because mm-hmm. they, they get, become more and more passionate about what we do, and we had. Uh, How uh, many people have you helped so far? Um, he- helping probably last year we did about ten cases, but it was probably over three hundred thousand dollars in pro bono surgery. I think one of our patients mm-hmm. was a, over a hundred thousand because mm-hmm. we did a transplant from her back to her neck to give her a neck and. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, but it, it's, it's like I say, wow. not all our cases have to be this severe. It can be from anyone from who is, who has the nose fractured or, or bones in their face fractured, and we can we can help with that. Mm-hmm. And I have a couple of dentists local too that work with me, that donate their services. Oh, how so wonderful! I, I can't use them as often as I can with as I can my husband. <laughs> well, you have a definite have in there with your husband. I have an in there. <laughs> um, if I you don't work so hard with the dentist, you give, yeah. give me a few a year, but that's about it. But we're definitely growing. Um, if you'd like to... Yeah, if you'd like to call in and ask Deborah a question or share your experience, the phone number is 646-378-0430. That's 646-378-0430. You know, Deborah, we often give out the DV hotline on this show, which I'll do right now. It's 1-800-799-7233. And that's a national hotline where anybody who has a question about their situation or who is looking for a referral or um, whatever, uh, you can call that phone number and they will refer you to the organizations in your state that can help you and uh, or in your locale. And it's a wonderful resource. Mm-hmm. Do you do you connect with them at all? That's yeah. Uh, so I had a conversation uh, uh, national ho- so that people can know that we exist because a lot, even a lot of other nonprofits don't even know that we're here because they, they never think of that part of the recovery. So emotionally, they have, mm-hmm. and of course, you yeah. have to. One has to go with the other. You can't fix someone's face and then they haven't been in therapy because they're going to repeat the pattern in life. But but if if yes. you know we go hand in hand, I think it's a, it's a great partnership to fix someone in the inside and also fix them on the outside. So a lot of nonprofits, mm-hmm. other nonprofits, don't even know we exist. And there was a a lady called Jessie who's in uh, North Carolina, and she got so excited last week when she found out about us because she's in, she gets involved with, uh, with trafficking and domestic violence, and and she's like, oh my god, I didn't even know that this existed, and I have so many patients that really need help because they're struggling to look in the mirror and go forward and, and find a job, like what we were saying. So she's uh, really excited that, you know, we can help that part. We're only we're one piece of it. We're not the whole piece. So, 
You know, we sure. don't just want to make someone say, like as I say, it's plastic surgery. I wouldn't look at it that way. It's it's more healing and going be able to go forward. And as I say, I think if yeah. you were, a, how long have you been doing this? Five years. Five, wow, five, just five years, and look at the the progress you've made. My goodness. Yeah, we're really um, proud. We're really, what are the, really surprised and, and proud and. And the non-profit is a big gala is really really important. And, and that evening we make it about celebrating life, because it is a dark subject. It's a, it's not a lot of uh, celebrities want to get involved because they don't want to a, say that they were have been have experienced this with family members or themselves. So nobody wants to really attach their yeah. name to it. So it, it is. But we we need their support, and we need sponsors' support. So sure. we make night. Um, we create a theme every year. So last year was uh, The Great Gatsby, and it was so much fun. And uh, Macy Gray performed for us pro bono, uh, so which was fantastic. Wow. Helped us sell tickets. So we had great board members, great committee members, and everyone at the very end. We really pulled through and and sold out all our tickets and, and had a f- phenomenal evening. And Luna Gardens provides a beautiful uh, venue for us. They create a theme. And uh, it's, it's we have a lot of great people working with us, and they know how important that night is, because that's the night that gets us through the whole year. So yeah, it's well, uh, the, challenging. Yeah, the the studies show that uh, approximately 25 percent of women in this country have experienced um, domestic violence, yeah, and a very high work. percentage of those. Yep, one in four, and. Um, Sexual violence, it's like one in three. So, um, you know, it, it's a, a huge problem. And I know that there are many celebrities uh, who have experienced this in their lives, and they are very vocal about it. I'm thinking of Patrick Stewart, for example. Um, there, there have been several uh, movie stars who are very vocal about uh, this kind of thing, and rightfully so. You know, we should be talking about this and uh, let women who are experiencing it realize they're not alone. A very high percentage of injuries involved in these uh, types of situations are facial. Do you have, you mentioned the neck, uh, are there, uh, there's a, also a very high percentage of uh, strangulation in domestic violence situations. Do you, does your work involve just the face and the facial reconstruction, or does it include, like, ears and neck? Ears and, and you neck. Know, what, what else does it Face and neck reconstructive surgeon, and he's an ENT also, so ENT and facial plastics. So, like the the patient who was on fire, uh, my husband took a, a transplanted uh, skin and tissue from her shoulder and transplanted it over to her neck, and mm. that's how we could build a neck for her. And when the, the first month after it, it's scary because she really looks frightening. But then he starts to basically yeah. shape it after each surgery, and then now she looks amazing. I mean, phenomenal. If anyone's listening, we should look at the before and after on our on our website. It's it's phenomenal. So, yeah, anything face And, and give neck, your website location again. It's www.faithforwardla.org. Mm-hmm. And actually, our next patient, okay. which is a little bit of a different scenario, but, but it's, it's a little girl who's three years old, and she was uh, in her mother's arms while, I think, waiting in a bus stop, or she was on a bus in Washington, and the abuser uh, jumped on the bus and shot the mother, killed her, while the baby was in her arms. So the bullet went through the little girl, and she's blind in one eye. She's scarred, and I think she has uh, breathing difficulty. So we're going to fly her out and work First of all, on the breathing problems, and then we'll probably keep bringing her out. And she's with her grandparents, who are so much older. So, you know, it's a terrible situation. And every time the little girl hears a bang, she's traumatized. Because oh. of something that triggers, and she's yeah. just come three. So uh, that's going to be our, our next case. And that will be a lifelong thing for that girl. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not something that she's going to get over. It will be a part of her for the rest of her life. Absolutely. Um, and, and we're talking about himself. 70 or 80 years for that girl. Years and years, and especially yeah. with her grandparents being so old, it's, it's going to be a hard, it's, it's a very hard situation for the kid. 
And she just she was just turning three. Now, what kind of therapy, psychological help would would you be able to give a three year old? That that I'm not a counselor. So I would leave that to the counseling center to to see what they could suggest. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would definitely even I think that it would be good to have uh, counseling for the grandparents because I, I mean they're grieving and then also they're actually having to deal with another little kid in their home and it's a daughter's child who was murdered. I mean it's, it's a very tough situation for everyone. Um, so it, yes. as, as the non-profit we have to fly out both grandparents and the little girl. So wow. A nurse for probably ten days, which is maybe a little bit more. But sometimes, like last year, we so had a patient you do that was coming pre- out. And, and Bonnie Somerville tweeted on Facebook and uh, on Twitter and Twitter, and she had people donate five thousand dollars in two days to help because we were coming near the end of the year and our funds were running out. So Bonnie went on Twitter and did a mm-hmm. big blast on uh, on Twitter, and she raised it for five thousand dollars just like that. So. Wow. If people wonder why we have celebrities, that's why we have them, because they, they help us. They do help us. Sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, do you have, um, well, I guess I should ask if you have any more examples of some of the work that you and your husband have done. Yeah, we have a lady uh, who For is actually a local lady, um, and she was married to a Marine, and she was, uh, he had beat her so severely I think it was her face hitting uh, hitting her face on a pavement in Los Angeles, and she was basically left for dead. And she was rushed to the hospital, and they had the priest come. And then, like three days later, she survived, and they released her. Uh, and then uh, after that, gangrene set in, and it ate her face. <sighs> so she basically, it, she has no face, and. Uh, we could never make her normal again, but we can do little things to to help her life more easy. Like, her mouth is, is like a slit. So, you know, the dentist couldn't get into her mouth. She couldn't eat. So she could have, had to eat through a straw. Uh, our eyes would constantly run. Uh, there was a lot of things that were just uncomfortable for her. So we've done like three or, three or four surgeries, and we're about, you know, we just did one, did one a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to do another few and that this coming year, just just to make her more comfortable. But again, she's an amazing woman. She is like one of the happiest people I've ever met. She's the most positive. Uh, she's just phenomenal. She's she's. I really like. I admire her so much in every way. I, I have never met someone with so many challenges, and yet you would ne- when you first meet her, you feel a little overwhelmed. And then after, mm-hmm. you, you don't even notice it because she's so amazing. She's just phenomenal. And even last year, she got us a grant. She applied for a grant for us and got us a grant. I mean, she's just, she's incredible. And she's a mom and wow. she has a great job wow. and wonderful, wonderful human being. And we also helped a little girl yeah. from uh, Peru who was uh, suicidal. And uh, she had over 25 surgeries. And uh, her father... Sets our mother on fire, and she tried to save her mother, and uh, she was caught in the fire, and her face, half of her, most of her face was gone. So we basically rebuilt her face, and now she's a nurse in Peru. So we, do, as I say, we we really want to open up internationally and, and help women from all over the world, because there is such a need for this. And then uh, hopefully in the next two years, you know, I think that. I think that so often um, a lot of people tend to think of plastic surgery as something frivolous. And it's important for us to remember that it is, you know, yes, it can be frivolous. I mean, you know, if I had the budget, I'd get the facelift. Um, But it's so much more than that, uh, especially in the lives of these women. Have you done any kind of compilation of uh, some of these situations that you've helped with? Um. Not so much, no. No. Uh, yeah. No, not so much. No. Um, when someone comes to you 
uh, or contacts you, what's the first thing that you do? Because obviously you can't take everyone who, who wants to have help. Sure, we How have do an you intake. decide? Uh, we have an intake form, and we ask for medical mm-hmm. records and, and uh, police reports and things like that. So that's why even the baby has been on, on hold for, for a while um, because we we had to get the uh, approval from the hospital because she has been hospitalized several times with uh, breathing difficulty uh, from the act, from the incident. So uh, yeah. once you have all the medical records and everything is approved, and then from that point we uh, we, we can help, we, we, we go forward. And if everything falls into place, and everything is checked out, then we move forward. I mean, it's surprisingly enough. I mean, we have do have people contact us that are not legit, unfortunately, so we have to make sure everything is 100% before we move forward. And then yeah. we want to get the pictures, and once we approve everything, then we contact the patient, and then we go from there. And it's usually it's a quick process. Once everything has been approved, someone can be out in, you know, a matter of a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And how many patients have you said you've been doing this for about five years? Yeah, just it, from anything from, I think the first year we probably did like three patients. So every year we go up. So last year was probably about ten patients. Wow. Wow. Um, again, if somebody wants to learn about you, your website, www.faceforwardla, and it's a .org or a .com. Uh, www.faceforwardla.org. .org, okay. Um, It just sounds like a wonderful, wonderful um, service. And don't forget that even if you don't need the services that this group offers, um, they can use your donations. And and I'll tell you, I I don't usually... um, promote any kind of donations or fundraising on this show, but I think that this is absolutely amazing. And so if you do have extra money that you want to kick in, I'm sure Face Forward would be happy to hear from you. Um, And so would all of those potential uh, folks who uh, need this kind of thing. I mean, you can't open a newspaper today uh, without seeing some horrific story. I have Google Alerts on my Google and every day I have probably 10 stories that come in of cases of domestic violence. Mm. So it's, it's but you also do uh, victims of gang violence and you yep. help um, um, yeah, um, trafficking, which of course is a huge problem that we're only now beginning to understand. And Carol, North Carolina was telling me that what happens with a lot of those girls is they, they get beaten with the rifles from the coyotes. And uh, it's, it's all a new language to me because I don't really, didn't know much about it. And so the girls have, even when they escape or someone tries to, uh, tries to find them or they've been kidnapped or whatever, they, to rebuild their face is, is extremely uh, challenging. So it's another door is open for face forward because we want to, we don't want to say no to any situation where someone has to look in the mirror when you know to move forward. And my husband and I have the tools to change that, and I think it's important mm-hmm. to let people yeah. know that we're amazing, out there. amazing. So if anyone yeah. in Seattle needs us, um, if somebody, yeah, if somebody wanted to try and start a program like yours in another location, what would you advise them to do? Maybe they are not married to a plastic surgeon. Uh, what, what would you advise them to do? Try and, first of all, just find a team of doctors uh, locally that are willing to donate their services and also have a, you know, a, a great team of volunteers and board members that really can help you um, with your nonprofit because without great board members and committee members, you cannot, I can't do this on my own. I need to, you know, I can't climb the mountain without my team, so... Every board member and every committee member has to sell tables, and, and we need funding. So that's how we survive. You know, we need we need mm-hmm. funding to, to be able to, even though the surgery is for free, we can't ask someone to walk from North Carolina to get here. So we, we need to be able to put them in, and sure. make them feel safe. We get them a, a, night, a decent place to stay while they're here, and, and we have to pay for a nurse, and we have to pay for, you know, physicals, and then... And, uh, and a hotel, an airfare, and so that really it really adds up. 
So if you think about, you know, if someone's staying here for 10 days in a hotel, that's that, that adds up, plus airfare and plus a nurse. Mm-hmm. So that one patient, you know, that yeah. it, it, if you need six, and if you do that six times a year, it's a lot large part of your budget. So you, you need a team. You, 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 someone have may have a great idea, but if you're doing this, you've got to make sure that that patient feels safe and is in the right hands, and and research your your doctors and, and dentists, make sure that they're they're doing it for the right reason and they want to donate their services. And how how much they're willing to donate a year? Because if I say one case can be ten surgeries or, or ten visits to the dentist, so they, they need mm-hmm. they, they need to make sure someone's willing to do that. And it's a lot of time for the doctors to give up. And it's great that I I have that. Sure. I can have my husband do that. If I talk nicely to him, amazing. To do uh, another case. Yeah, yeah. Um, why did you decide to help others? Um, when you were uh, forming this organization, this program? I know you had your personal experience, but that didn't leave you disfigured or, um, you know, with facial injuries, did it? No, I, I, I really don't know how it happened. I think I, think I felt for the first time in my life I had uh, peace and I had harmony. And I think when you go through that, uh, growing up and then also finding someone who's your first love is abusive, you kind of through your life you you tend to date men that you shouldn't be dating and uh i think for the first time in my life i had a great husband i was married and everything was just right and i for some something inside me and it sounds corny but it just felt right to give back and we had as a couple we have the tools together so i'm great at marketing and he's a phenomenal surgeon and uh, so you put that together, you can create something special. But really, I thought it was going to be something I would do, you know, two patients a year, and I would spend 20 hours doing it. I had no idea <laughs> how much time I was going to dedicate yeah. to it. And and, uh, and every day, I mean, I probably spend eight, nine hours a day on Face Forward. And I have a full-time assistant wow. who's, who does the same. So... You know, when we're working with patients, we're working on funding, or we're working on grants, or we're working on the gala for next year, or sponsors. So we're constantly uh, creating growth for Face Forward. So uh, it's a big job, but I get such a buzz from it, and I think there's nothing can describe when you see the change in a, a woman who can lift her head high for the first time, even though she feels her insides is good and she can she's ready to move forward but something is still pulling her down every time she looks in the mirror. And when you see that change, it's mm-hmm. priceless to to really see someone just bloom and blossom again and, and want to wear makeup and want to you know, feel pretty again. And I think we all should be able to, if we have the tools to do that, I think we should, it's important that we, we give back. And I really I, I enjoy yeah. it. I get such well, a, a buzz from it. When I see when well, I and see as you it. mentioned, uh, you know that it, it makes a difference uh, when you look in that mirror and you see somebody that can go out in the world and not be stared at or um, not feel like you have to hide yourself. Um, it, it must make such a tremendous difference in confidence and in uh, ability to conduct the rest of your life. I would think that that's a tremendous uh, help for women doing that. Do you ever get any men? You know, we haven't, and it's strange. We 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 have never had uh, a male patient contact us, and we're open to men, women, and children. That's what's on our website. But we've never had uh, we've never had a, a man contact us. We were actually just discussing that mm-hmm. last week. Well, of course. Yeah, of course. Most you know, a very very high percentage of domestic violence is male on female. Um, so it's, you know, quite frankly, it's going to be more likely, a lot more likely that there are women victims who will contact you, I think. Um, but, I think, you know, there is a lot, big, there's a big push in the media about how men can be victims too, and certainly they can, but it's a very small percentage of all the victims of domestic violence and trafficking uh, that are men. Uh, it tends to be a, um, women victims pretty much and I think all there's a lot of place. even with a woman's so, victim there's a lot of shame and I think it would be harder for a man to admit that I think even mm-hmm. more than a woman 
for some reason because he's, you know, there's a, supposed to look at men in a different light in, in society, but I think that a lot of men, it would be really hard to come forward and, and acknowledge and admit that. As it, I mean, for women, it's mm-hmm. very difficult, and there's it was, it was a lot of shame. I mean, for me, it was shame. I didn't want to tell family. I didn't want to tell anyone. I was ashamed. And he was someone who graduated of university, and here I was in this horrible relationship. So how could I admit that to anyone? It was like I, I, I failed in my pickings for a partner. So I think that mm-hmm. that's a lot of that for women who do stay isolated, who, who don't tell family members, and that's one of the reasons. They're like, why did you stay? Because people don't want to say, hey, I've been in this abusive relationship for three years. He has my credit cards. He knows when I leave. He knows how many miles I drive a day in my car. He has my phone records. It's like you're basically a prisoner with the person that you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I think even for a man, uh, I, I very hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was once, I do a lot of talking about domestic violence in, in groups, and I had one person ask me, um, if it's so awful, why don't they just leave? And, of course, that's the first question. And and I kept thinking, how can I explain to this person that it's not that easy, you know, that you are a prisoner? And so I actually used the example of John McCain, the politician who was a uh, prisoner of war during the Vietnam era. And I had the privilege, actually, of hearing him speak and uh, on, you know, prisoners of war situations. Very um, articulate speaker. And when I heard him talk and I heard about how horrible the conditions were that he was living under, I just couldn't help but think, why didn't he just leave? Right. You know? Well, why didn't he just leave? Well, because he was a prisoner, he couldn't leave. And that's, you know, um, these, these you know, men don't start off like that, and that's what people forget. They they are very clever. They're very manipulating. And this woman mm-hmm. thinks she's been rushed off her feet from Prince Charming. Yeah, and this yeah. and once he and has, they can be, then the hook goes out, yeah. and then he thinks like one of the the girls from Florida. She would tell me, oh, he asked, he said, oh, baby, don't you be taking care of that phone? Let me take care of your phone. I'll get you a better phone. I'll get you the newest phone. Let me take care of it. He'd get the phone. He put it in his name. So then he had that. Then he would do something <laughs> else. Then he would do something else. And then before she knew it, she had nothing of hers. He he basically yes. had tricked her. And she didn't see it coming because mm-hmm. during all this time he was so charming and so wonderful and missed yeah. it, you know. And a lot of women, we want to be in love. We want to find Prince Charming. It's it's it's, it's who we are. And then when mm-hmm. someone comes along and wishes it off her feet and right, think, oh, well, this is amazing, and then the next minute, you, once he's in, and that's when it starts, when he has full control of you. And by that point, this person is like, wow, maybe you have a child with him. I know someone who didn't do it until the day they were married on their honeymoon. On the night of the honeymoon is the first time he he hit her. Like you can imagine, mm. once you're married, you think, oh, I'm going to try and make this work. It was a mistake. He didn't mean to do it. What happened? Maybe it was my yeah. fault. And that's what a lot of them make them the women well, feel like. If you were 10 minutes later or 10 minutes earlier, this would never have happened. It's your fault. So they start to believe it. Mm-hmm. They really brainwash. It, and it's incredible because I have women who are doctors, dentists, lawyers who have come up at my events and said to me, I have been a victim of domestic violence and I lived with it for 10 years. Yes. Yes. Um, and it is insidious. It absolutely is insidious. Absolutely. And when a woman who uh, seeks help is basically blamed for her own situation, um, I, I keep thinking, you know, 30 years ago, if a woman was raped, the first questions were, well, where was she and what was she exactly. wearing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and today, with domestic violence, it's the same thing. Well, why did you pick that guy? Um, you know, there must be something wrong with her uh, to be attracted to somebody like that. Um, there's so many misconceptions about this. Um, it's just uh, distressing to me. And if you are basically wearing your victimhood so that other people can see it, uh, which you would be doing if you were disfigured, it must be like a double jeopardy. Um, You know, not only are you... uh, Yes, double shame for that because you are... Your situation basically is out there for the world to see. I'll give you an example with a lady... she she needed 
she was helping me uh, raise money or because I wanted to do something nice for her. So I called up my hairdresser in Beverly Hills and I said, can I bring blah blah into the salon? I want to get her a nice blow dry today. And he said, no, because I don't want to make my other clients feel uncomfortable. And I called up another hairdresser in Beverly Hills and I said, can I bring blah blah in today? And he said, you bring her in. I'm going to make her feel like a VIP. We'll put her in the middle of the room. We will pamper her like no tomorrow. And the person who's really successful is the person who, who said, bring her in. But the person, other person in Beverly Hills was so concerned about his image and how other people may look at this patient who's disfigured, who is a wonderful person. Uh, he, he didn't want on a salon, and it blew me up. I couldn't believe that, wow, like I've been coming to you for 10 years, and you won't do this lady. And I was paying for it. It wasn't like it was for free. But you won't do this lady because you yeah. don't look like how she looks. So you can imagine every day what she has to go through. When she meets someone for the first time or she walks into a supermarket or she goes and she says, I get so used to it. And for the first five years, she wore a mask because she just couldn't bear the looks. But then she started to accept herself and say, you know, this is who I am and I love who I am and I have to blossom from, I just have to make people feel it. If I'm going to hide and, and behind this mask, then they're, go they're going to act that way towards me. So even, even as she looks, she walks into a room like she owns it today. You know, and we, as I say, we can only help her with make her feel functional. We can never get her back to what she was. But it just, it, I never forget that. I, I never wanted to go back to that hairdresser because I just thought, oh, you're disgusting. This is someone who, yeah. they never asked themselves. There's no shame attached to this. Would you do that if someone was, if someone had cancer, would you not want them in your salon? You know, it's like, really? And this is what she must go through every single day. Yep. Well, probably many times in a day. Exactly. Um, it's just, uh, yeah. And even people who mean well oftentimes will do or say things inadvertently that reinforces, um, you know, the bad feelings in that person. Um, you know, I. It, it's just, even, you know, I know uh, maybe you do too, or, uh, but, you know, you see, you see somebody with some sort of, uh, problem, and you know mm -hmm. you want to be helpful and you want to be useful, and you'll end up saying something, and after you've said it, you think, "Why did I say that? That's exactly. not exactly. appropriate." You know, yeah. So inadvertently, we we also add um, a lot of discomfort to these situations. Even Deborah, myself, I have I said enjoyed you, I speaking said, with you. I said, "Would you like to have lunch?" And I realized that she can't eat. You know, so it makes me. I'm thinking, "Oh my God, what am I thinking?" Oh, but yeah, I have like I I know mm -hmm. this. So, you know, but she, she accepts it and she takes it and she takes it in her stride and she's, she's amazing. I, I, I wish I had the strength of these women. I really do. So if anyone is there and listening, I really would love your support. And if any patients are there and they want to help, and we need our help, please, uh, please contact us. And if somebody, again, wanted to start a program like this in their own area, would you be able to give them some advice? They go absolutely, to your website. Absolutely. And, and as I say, one of our patients wanted Good. to branch our name and start a non-profit in different states, and I would love to do that. So obviously I can only do what I can with what we have right now with the sources that we have, but I'd love to branch out. So if someone out there wants to be part and can, thinks they can help us in other states and or they need my help to start their own, please definitely contact us. Mm-hmm, yeah, and it's definitely a worthy thing, but boy, it sounds like a lot of work, and I'm sure that the number of people you've helped over the years are very appreciative of you oh, giving them back a chance at a normal life. I mean, really, it's, it's uh, I've seen some of, the, you know, some of the pictures on your webpage. Um, you know, these women, um, they're, they're normal. You know, they might have uh, some um, slight you know, modifications in, in their face that still show. Um, but for the most part, they would fit into any group of people without feeling uh, that they somehow stood out. Um, so it, it just, it, it, to me, it's like you're giving them back a life. You're, you're, they, they take back their life when they leave the situation, but mm -hmm. you're helping to give them back the life, a normal life, and that's an amazing thing. And, and we're, as a, uh, we're one I'm, I'm sure... 
there's a lot of pieces that they need help with, but we're that one piece, and, and uh, we're happy to be here and help women, and hopefully we can double our cases every year as we grow. Yeah. It, um, it, it, yeah, again, uh, I'm awestruck by the amount of work that you've done and the amount of thinking you've put into this, and uh, I, I thank you for doing that. Um, and oh, I think thank that you. Thank you Because none us. of us knows, you know, none of us knows um, what is down the road for us. And, Absolutely. Um, there are many people, many, many people who thought that something like this would never happen to them, and it does. So, um, you know, to have these kinds of resources, and it really encourages me that you also offer the um, uh, counseling component Very because important. that makes a huge difference as well. Huge mm-hmm. difference. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, and not only that, but if you're used to seeing yourself. So I, I know how important it is yeah. to, to be with a therapist and, and uh, finding the right therapist and helping you. If you see yourself as disfigured, and then suddenly you look in the mirror and you're not disfigured. I think that alone would mm-hmm. cause uh, some some discomfort in your thinking, and uh, you know it, it just the, any dramatic change like that has to be something that has to be dealt with. Um, so you know, thank you and your husband. I hope that this movement uh, takes off and that pretty soon there will be a uh, face forward in every community in the United States because God knows we need things to help women who have been in these kinds of situations. You know, Deborah, be- I always try to close our show with a quote, and um, one of the quotes that I have is from Tolstoy. Oh. It's amazing how complete is the delusion that beauty is goodness. I love that. And I, I think that, that kind of... Right. Yeah, that's from Tolstoy, and I think it speaks to the idea that, you know, it's a double whammy if you are disfigured because that feeling that somehow, you know, you had something to do with this, that you have some sort of guilt over what happened to you Mm -hmm. is reinforced by that notion that beauty is goodness. Deborah, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. Again, if you want to contact her, it's www.faceforwardla.org. Thank you for joining us this week. See you next Thank week. Thank you so much for having me. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you.